I'm actually in shock that the leader of opposition is politicizing wildfires. It's, it's, it's staggering, really. But nothing surprised me with the opposition. We're taking steps to make sure we're prepared since 2017. We've increased spending on emergency fire preparedness by more than 37%, Mr. Speaker. We have 142 fire ranger crews, which are the best in the world, ready to go right across our province. And we have a fleet of 28 aircraft to uh, fight these fires, including nine heavy water bombers. My number one goal is to make sure the communities and the people are safe here in Ontario. We will spare no expense to make sure that we support our firefighters and our communities. Mm-hmm. Well, our fire rangers may see, see things differently because we tried to get one on the show, by the way, and they are all, literally all of them are fighting fires because we don't have enough. And uh, the province uh, is, a bit, is short about 50 crews for this fire season, and they blame cutbacks. In 2019, they cut back firefighting budgets by uh, 67%. So we don't have a lot of full-time fire rangers anymore in this province who, uh, in their off-season, once upon a time, would clear the brush. And so they argue, look, we don't have enough, and we're so short-staffed we're being put into danger. As for water bombers, uh, we also don't have enough of those because other countries are now lending us resources. They've certainly sent them to uh, Quebec. Uh, we don't build them. We don't maintain them. So, you know, we talk a lot about climate change and all the threats. We just don't do anything to prepare for it, clearly. Let me bring in John Graddock, faculty lecturer and academic programs coordinator of supply chain logistics operations and integrated aviation management over at McGill University. Hello, John. Good morning. Let's talk about the water bombers because the premier is very, very excited about them. But I, I don't, I don't know if, if he sh should be so excited because we don't really have what we need. Well, everybody's excited about these water bombers, particularly when Canada is on fire. Um, <laughs> you know, and they're, saying, they're saying we don't have enough. We've got fifty-five water bombers in Canada, and on any good year, that's enough. Uh, and uh, the, the age of the fleet, yeah, is called into question. We've got uh, quite a few older airplanes that were built back in the seventies. Um, and, uh, you know, they're getting long in the tooth, uh, but we have some newer ones that were built in, in the 80s and 90s um, by our friends at Bombardier, but that airplane, unfortunately, is no longer in production, and they stopped producing that airplane in 2015, and so if you want to get a new generation or a next-generation water bomber um, built with these specifications, you're going to have to wait until... Now it looks like 2030 to get a Canadian water bomber in place. Wow. That, well, yeah, I mean, we have a real problem in this country with procurement, but certainly you and I have talked a lot about the fact that we get all these warnings ahead of time, whether it's the pilot shortages, retiring out and all that, and then we wait for years and then all of a sudden the airports don't work and the minister says, oh my God, we'll fix it. Well, it's too late now. But, you know, the signs are all there for this, that, you know, we have, you know, we're getting to the outdated part on, on these things or we need new ones or maybe we need parts to uh, rehabilitate them and we just don't have them. We seem to be caught flat-footed on this all the time. Is there, John? someone who could build and maintain them here? Uh, well, I think Viking, who's got the license to build these airplanes, they bought all of the technology and all the tooling from Bombardier, uh, has said that they you know the, the, the plans are in the works to build a plant in Calgary uh, to, in fact, restart the production line for these Canada Air Bombers. Uh, and that's a good sign. Um, question is, they need about 500 people who are qualified. They have very special skills required to build these right these structural airplanes, and they're short of people. 
So we're back into the supply chain issue. We're back into resources. So there, there's a major program afoot in Western Canada to train people to basically understand mm-hmm. the technology and to make them qualified to start building these airplanes. So that's going to take a bit of time. So the plant won't be up and running until 2027. But the plant that they're building only has a capacity to build 10 airplanes a year. So this is still, this is not a high volume production plant right. that they're building. They're spending $300, $400 million to build a small plant uh, that will build these things, but they'll crank them out at a very, very shallow pace, as we say. Um, the issue today that we're facing is, so we are seeing 2023 being, you know, a, is that an anomaly or is that mm-hmm. the start of a new trend? And in terms of forest fires and wildfires. And the question we have to ask ourselves as Canadians, when we look at this situation saying, is this going to be a repeat scenario? Are we going to, is this the start of something new? And if it is the start of something new, and I beg to differ with Mr. Ford, that, you know, the, if this is the start of something new, the climatologists can tell us, hopefully, uh, that, you know, we have to be prepared. And the way we've got our firefighting fleet and the agent of fleet, we're not prepared. Right. Well, and we've seen it before. I mean, with the uh, flooding of the lower mainlands in BC, I mean, there were reports put out in 2015, basically saying you got to fix the dam. If there's a flood, you're going to be in really big trouble. And then you get governments that stick them on a, a, a shelf and collects dust and nothing happens. And then, oh, what do you know? It floods and they say, oh, my God, what happened? It's like, well, you didn't fix what you were told to fix. And, and so we kind of have that with a lot of our big infrastructure projects, whether it's on floodplains that we are, are late to the game on. And so we find ourselves in this situation, and I'd rather be overprepared than underprepared because we lend these things out uh, to other countries. But can any pilot fly one of these things, or is it special training? Because I know you got to scoop up the water, but do we have enough people to fly them? Yeah, we do. We have enough people. I think that, you know, the the training is probably going to be the least of our concerns uh, in in getting people to fly these airplanes. The guys who fly, the guys and girls who fly these airplanes, you know, they're specially trained. Um, People love to fly these airplanes. Um, they, they are, they're very nimble. They're very uh, agile. Um, they are built to, in fact, you know, pick up water in 15 seconds and they're built to drop 6,000 liters of water in 10 seconds. So they're, they're a high performance airplane. Uh, yes, you have to get specially trained for it, but I don't think pilots are an issue at this point in time. I think really is, it's the, it's the aircraft itself. Uh, you know, Quebec has got 13 airplanes. Unfortunately, only 11 are flying. Two of them are in the barn waiting for parts. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you, you, you've got a number of, you know, issues about the aging fleet that's causing issues in terms of availability. Uh, we need every single water bomber that we have to fly. And unfortunately, that's not the case today. Yeah, I find it interesting. I'm not sure if the scooping is an issue. Like, I, I'm always worried that what if they teeter a little bit one way or the other and they can't scoop the water. The other thing I was reading last night was a warning they're putting out to people that if you see one of these and you're swimming in the lake, can you move so they can pick up the water? I don't know if they've ever scooped people up, but they are putting those warnings. Get, get out of the way. They need to get water. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just just when you see that that, that airplane come over the horizon, they usually work in pairs or, or, or trios. Uh, you know, they'll come in and uh, get out of the way, uh, make sure that you've got a boat, whatever, give them clear, clear track. Uh, they're not very maneuverable when they're when they're scooping uh, and the uh-huh. scoop lasts for about 30 seconds or 45 seconds. But uh, they haven't got much maneuverability when they're in the water. So get out of the way. It's crazy. And, and um, how that's a lot of water, though. Where do they pick it up? Can they go to any water channel to get it like a lake? Yeah, you can do lakes, they can do rivers. You know, I, I remember yeah. the last time I saw these in action was probably in, in Italy. I was on the coast of, in, in the Amalfi Coast, and there were yeah. some fires showing up on the, on, on, a, 
on the coast on the edges, and I saw this fleet of three Canadian, uh, three Canada Air 415s run by the Italian Air Force come in and just dumped into the Mediterranean, picked up water, and they were cycling the airplanes back and forth every 15 minutes. So, you know, these guys know how to fly their airplanes. They just need a body of water. They can fly, say, within 30 minutes of a body of water is when they basically are, are, are best use. So whether it's the ocean, whether it's the sea, whether it's a lake, whether it's a river, they just need about a couple of thousand feet uh, of, uh, of, you know, reasonably deep water to pick up 6,000 liters and then get out there and fight the fire. That's amazing. Yeah, they're such an important, important tool to get ahead of things. But uh, like so many of the things, John, that we've talked about, we just aren't prepared. And I think, you know, we've learned a lot since COVID. We got to do things on our own. We can't we can't any longer be reliant on others. And, and we just keep cutting corners in all the places now that seem to be, you know, the chickens are coming home to roost. Yep. And it's going to catch up. to And it's, it's all about risk. You know, how much risk are you willing to take? And are you ready to pay the price? To reduce the risk that you're going to be facing, this this the price for these airplanes is not cheap. You know, sixty five million bucks a piece. Um, but you know, if you don't have the airplanes, you know that that's a small price to pay to to ensure that you're you know keeping forests you know in in good shape and you're not having people walking around yeah. downtown Toronto wearing N95 masks. Yeah. Well, it's also more expensive to lose entire towns to fire. So, you know, we know they're coming. So let's let's deal with them. John, I'm sure we'll talk again. Uh, You're popular these days. So I appreciate your time. All right. My pleasure. Have a great day. Take care. You as well. John Gradica joining us here. And again, it's just the climate changes. It's warm now. It's going to be warm for a while. Uh, The federal government's known that. They're the climate change government. They get lots of money. Are they getting ahead of things and making sure that mitigate it? No. Is the province. Now, look at their budget from 2019. They cut back fire, forest uh, fire uh, stuff 67%. So if we could get a bunch of fire rangers on their off time, I mean, they don't hire them full time anymore. But in the winter, when they're not fighting fires, they'd be out or in the spring, you know, in the fall, getting rid of dead trees and leaves and all the things that dry out and become really good fire starters. And I think mitigation has to be principle. Because you're not going to stop the temperature from going up one or two degrees. you got to mitigate for it. We don't do that. And then everything's a disaster.